Create an Unstoppable Life, episode 183. Create an Unstoppable Life is all about mindset for the high achiever to help you build a life of fulfillment and freedom. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a mindset and marketing coach and a family medicine physician. It's an honor to spend time with you today. I am so glad for today. I'm so glad because we are going into a topic that has really been coming up a lot for me, but really what I'm glad to do is introduce you to Dr. Tracy O'Connell. She is a deep noticer, a quiet noticer, and it's amazing. Like She quietly notices, and then she's able to share this big perspective and share deep compassion. It's incredible to me how she can connect with others, how she can guide others and move others through all these different tools and resources and who she is. So that's how I'd introduce you. How would you introduce you? Hmm, That really touched me, Dina. It's funny, I am a noticer. Professionally, I trained as a um, radiologist and I still do that a few hours a day, but I I think during all the time in my career, um, when I really don't think I was a fit in that career, I was simultaneously noticing so many things that were not on the images in front of me that really distracted me from from focusing on the black and white and gray of the images that I was being paid to look at. I consider it a flattering introduction to be seen as someone who's a noticer because I pay attention to all these things that come into my aura or just perceptive field and it's really hard to ignore them. And so I've just taken them in and and over the years really tried to synthesize um, and make sense of the world around me. And it's a daily challenge, as you know, but I, uh, I'll never stop seeking and learning, which is, which makes life fun. So we met in real life last September. And one of the things that I love that you said is you're really funny. And I I laughed in the moment. And then I came home and I told my son, who's 20, I said, Dr. O'Connell, she said, I'm really funny. And you know what? She's right. (laughs) Yeah, you really, really are. It was met with this eye roll kind of shrug, kind of like, okay, whatever. (laughs) Well, it takes a while for our kids to get us, you know, Um, but I am certain that your son, your son knows that you're funny. Um, it's pretty hard to miss. And for me, I just, since I hadn't met you in real life and had met you in these more formal contexts, it was just cool to see your sense of humor. And I love to laugh and I think giggling is so healing. So I just enjoyed your company. We're both part of a group called Physician Coaching Alliance. It It is a lovely group. It's a supportive group. It's got a great mission and an incredible leader that I simply adore, who is Dr. Erin Wiseman. So I'm so thankful that she created this and that she sponsors activities to come together in real life. Same. So, so grateful for that community and and that we were able to meet that way. All right. Are you ready for the hard stuff? (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah. So I asked Tracy to come on today to talk about betrayal. And I have been feeling this call to be still this year and something that's unexpected. It was absolutely unwanted. And here's why what I've learned through being still, which is 
all the underneath stuff bubbles to the surface and you can't outrun it. You can't hide it. And when I think about one of the most difficult things that I've been processing, it's betrayal. Like betrayal to me means somebody that has physically cut, sliced me open, like shown all the depths of what's inside of me and then abandoned me, like leaving me to die is about how it feels. And it's, it's an incredible deep wound and it's, it's more than one. I'd love to hear just your take on where do we start in opening this subject? After we talked about meeting today, you know, I really have let the idea percolate because I tend to always, when I start thinking about a word or concept, I, I look it up, right? I look up the definition just to see, I think I know what that is. I think I really know what that is, but, but what are other people say that it is? I think that maybe from romance novels, you know, we think of betrayal in the romantic sense of cheating on, on a partner or having an illicit affair, you know, but other definitions were things like to give over to an enemy or to be unfaithful to, um, to violate the trust of someone else or, to, you know, to have your own trust violated. It's a very psychologically unsafe state. As we talked about earlier, before getting on today, I think the betrayal comes up a lot in our lives, but we get distracted by the context of other things, maybe other emotions that come into play, like maybe discounting the way we feel about something or thinking maybe I'm making a bigger deal of this than uh, I should be, kind of getting lost in, again, not being able to see clearly what we're actually feeling because it's it is so painful as you said that to really feel it requires courage and like you said stillness that many of us don't take the time to do and if we're in a hurry or if there's a lot of other things going around or we still have to function and perform like this thing didn't happen i think it can get swept under the rug and sort of just eat at you slowly over time. Whereas if we do what we're doing today and just kind of facing it head on, like rip off the Band-Aid in a way, maybe the wound will heal faster or at least heal with open air to not become something that sort of defines us. What I think I hear you saying is that we can focus on isolated events and maybe feel angry or disappointed or start to feel disconnected without seeing a bigger picture, seeing the complexity of what's happening. There is violation of trust. There is loss of connection, that there is maybe behaviors that really are, are compromising of the relationship. So taking a look at that bigger picture, when I think about betrayal for me, for so many years, I lived this very defensive life, like this strong wall around me, like multiple layers of walls. So very few people could get in. It was intended to, like if really nobody got in, nobody could see me and then I'm safe and except I wasn't safe and I was very lonely and I didn't understand why I continued to feel like I didn't belong or I don't fit in or I didn't have any really connected relationships uh, so if somebody did get in and then all of a sudden they left, <laughs> they left without saying anything or they left with saying something, it was like, it's huge. Like I let you see me and now you're telling me I'm not good enough 
or, or you're telling me I'm bad or wrong or whatever the case is like, oh, well, and that's such a good distinction because some of us trust really easily and some of us don't trust really easily. So, you know, Brene Brown uses the marble jar as a metaphor for how we form trust in our lives. And so it's interesting because I've discussed this with a lot of other people about how people obtain marbles in our lives and who who we let in. So if if you think of the an analogy is this jar of uh, that's maybe maybe it starts empty with another person. Marbles are added through acts of vulnerability that make us trust that person, right? Like maybe we show a little bit of ourselves and then that's affirmed by someone else. So then we feel safer with that person. And then over time, maybe they accumulate a lot of marbles of all the times that they've shown up for us. And we feel like they were there. They didn't tell everybody. They respected our boundaries. They um, they operated through integrity, then we felt more and more safe with that person. So over time, their marble jar, their empty jar becomes full of all these trust marbles. Or I realized through actually a teenage client I worked with that she said, well, I when I meet someone, I just assume their jar is full. I just assume when I meet them that they're totally trustworthy until they do something that makes me not trust them. And I thought about that later and I thought, yeah, that's me. Like I'm someone who assumes that everyone is trustworthy, uh, starts with a full jar and like, oh, this is another wonderful human I'm going to meet. And then, yeah. And then what's interesting is no matter how the jar gets filled, whether you start with it full or whether it took a long time to fill it, uh, it really, the jar can be emptied very quickly with one incident. So if you can imagine like you've invested years in, in, in trying to accumulate this, this trust, this bank of uh, this investment <laughs> that you've made, I don't know which is worse because I've only lived my experience, but talking with others, it doesn't really matter how the marbles got there or how long they've been there. The feeling of the jar being emptied, of being betrayed, of having your trust lost happens very fast depends on if it empties just a little, like someone may disappoint you and they get a marble taken out, but certain things empty the jar. And then we're back at, just like you talked at the beginning, this bereft void of emptiness and pain. And then it depends on how you as a person, how do you deal with hurt? Do you bounce it to something else. Like, oh, this isn't bothering me. Like I've got a list of, you know, things many of us will numb. I'm not feeling anything. I'm not, this isn't a problem for me. I'm, I'm good. Like, oh, whatever that that's, I guess I learned my lesson with that person or acting like everything is fine when it's not, or being sugary sweet to just be like, it's fine. You know, I, it's good. I mean, whatever these things happen. I appreciate the voice that you say that in. Yeah, it, it's it's like it sounds nice, but it's not authentic, right? It's not genuine. So there's many ways that we respond to hurt, is what I'm saying. I've heard that voice so many times. They didn't mean it. You should just forgive them. It's not really a big deal. Like I've heard that voice, and it it just ugh. like life's too short. Yeah, let it go. Don't cry over spilled milk. I can't believe you're still thinking about that. And none of that is helpful. 
no, it, it's not empathetic at all. And what's funny too, is I know even for me, sometimes I use that voice inside myself, right? It's not even an external voice. It's like this conditioned voice that, that I think I should be responding or feeling differently than I actually am. Yeah. I have that minimizing. I call it a minimizing voice. I have that minimizing voice. I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't get upset. I blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is again, I've always been someone who kind of wears their heart on their sleeves. So, so for me, the education I've had to get through, I've had to garner from the world is been that, that people process emotions differently because I'm inherently a very, I mean, my whole life, I've been a very emotional person without a lot of secrets. But what I did definitely run into was me showing my feelings wide open was not well received by others. And so that led to a betrayal in a way of, again, if I'm starting off believing everyone is wonderful, then I'm going to be disappointed a lot. And so those little acts of betrayal of just sort of, yeah, someone not meeting my expectations or my my perfect vision of them, right? You get to know people and everyone has, I mean, we're all deeply flawed. And um, so that was my sort of struggle was learning how to cope with my own disappointment over little things, betrayals that were small, but that felt big and also feeling betrayed by me sharing something that I didn't it wasn't like I was trying to hotwire connection, but really just that's the way I operate. And that's not necessarily how everyone else does. So it, it feels weird when you do make a bid for connection and then it, it falls flat. Right. So it can be trust. What you were alluding to is more of this, uh, you know, having walls around you, meaning that if someone can get in, they're really special. Um, and that can be incredibly hurtful then obviously if something goes awry where you've let that special person in and they were an exception and then something happens where they be betray your trust in, in some way. Uh, and, and this is something I'd love to talk with you about um, Dina is the concept of loyalty, because I think for folks who really value loyalty, what really matters to them, if that's how they were raised, loyalty to family, loyalty to country, loyalty to a profession, loyalty to a spouse, whatever it is. When you, if you're someone who really values loyalty, then betrayal can really mess with you because you think, are you supposed to be loyal despite the betrayal? Like, what do you do with that then now that you've been betrayed if you're very loyal? I, I love that you brought that up because loyalty has been on my mind recently and I have changed my signature block for those that I deeply care about. I I sign love and loyalty and then sign my name. Like that is the the biggest expression. That's everything that I can give you in two words. Um, so it, it means everything. And just as we've been talking, I've been thinking about what is what it really is betrayal to me. It's complete rejection and me believing that I either deserve it or they're right. I think that's where the deep wound comes in is believing that they're right and telling a story because I may not know why somebody walked away. Like I had a friendship for a very long time and it has been silent for, for years. No idea where that loss of connection is and somehow thinking that I, it must have been me 
that's the part that hurts. So, so much. And, and I'll be honest, I betrayed someone totally inadvertently uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. And this was someone I knew from peripheral circles, right? Like I would see them a lot through my, we had kids doing the same activities together. And so we would see each other often at these different performances and events and had a very, very friendly um, and just a nice relationship. And that person suffered a deeply, um, well, that family suffered a a loss, a, a sudden death in the family, a suicide. And at the beginning of the pandemic, you remember how dark those days were. And I remember this person was a physician too. And I just started really getting scared for the world, right? I was scared for all all the doctors. Like I just could imagine so much how this this person had been feeling. And, And so anyway, I wrote an article never intended to be seen by this person or their family, but they were somehow made aware of it. And it was really a plea for let's as doctors become more sensitive, like we've got to help each other. The intentions of the article were never to be about this family and their struggle. It wasn't even meant to be seen by them. It was a it was a plea to the medical community, we've got to do better. I deeply hurt that person because they felt that I was telling a story that wasn't mine to tell, even though it wasn't about them directly, right? So I can't tell you how much that haunts me. I mean, that's been four, three years ago. And even though I did all the things I, everything I could possibly do to repair it, writing letters and deep, deep, deep apologies as honestly as I could. And and uh, I'm just expressing how we can inadvertently betray. And then the pain that that causes too, even though this wasn't someone I saw daily or, or even had a super close relationship with, the fact that I would have hurt something. I mean, since my goal every day is to help, not to hurt, the irony of doing something so painful to someone else totally accidentally kind of reminds me maybe I don't know anything about this friendship that you had or you know what has become of it, but it hurts on both ends. And yet there are many times, right, where we where people betray us and they have no idea they betrayed us. So it's so messy uh, or tricky. I think it's so good that we're having the conversation and just calling betrayal what it is because it is so deeply painful and it's often accidental. It's very, you know, there are good guys and bad guys on TV and stuff like that. I think for the most part, people do set out to do the right thing and life is messy and and we all need and expect things from each other that may not be clear. We disappoint ourselves. We betray ourselves. Uh, that's a whole yeah. other topic. It's just such a huge moral, psychological part of being human, I guess. That again, I think when we when we feel betrayed or when there is betrayal, we there's anger, there's rage, there's resentment, there's frustration, there's low pleasant emotions, whether they're high energy like rage and anxiety and tension, and then they're or whether they're just being bereft and depressed and hurt and forlorn. I mean, they're all things we don't like to feel. So, so that's why we do the thing of stamping a smiley face on it or making light of it or trying to forget about it or cast it in some kind of a different light to make it more palatable than the actual pain of what it is. Right. Or, or bury it, (laughs) put it in a box, put it away. I'll think about it another time, which is never uh, until it comes up again. 
Well, and you noted at the beginning that being still brought it up for you, which I think is why so many people don't like to be still. That restless activity, constantly being busy is a way to cope with not wanting to feel these deep pains that that maybe if we shared, others wouldn't feel were justified, right? We get the backlash of, oh, that's not, I can't believe you're still talking about that. That was years ago. So, yeah. so, but it doesn't go away like anything doesn't go away until you really like delve into it. And I mean, so I'm curious, what's that been like for you during this period of stillness? Like, what have you done to manage the, the pain that may have not gotten attention in the past or that you didn't even have time to notice was there? Yeah. It's been ugly. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It's, it's ugly because it really forces me on a good day. I can tell you I'm good enough and I'm worthy on a, a neutral day. I can tell you I'm good enough and I'm worthy on a day that these, the, the portal to these wounds have opened up. I can't probably even look at you because I don't feel good enough and I don't feel worthy. And I really question like, what am I doing? And how is it that I'm doing all of these things and I am lacking belief right now. I really have to go to the place. Like I have to sit there for quite a while, sometimes multiple days. I have to invite others in to show me that what I am seeing is a very distorted view and to show me that it's okay to be hurt and it's okay to feel this however long I'm going to feel this. And then it's okay to get back up and go back to who I am. So the re the reminder is really that this is not who I am. This is where I'm at, but this is not defining me. I wanted to tell you too, that what's so interesting is when you spoke about how it kind of descends upon you, uh, this feeling, deep feeling of unworthiness, back to that issue of, of where I betrayed someone totally unintentionally, uh, but I recognize, I just, I recognize the pain so much that I must have caused this other person. And it hurts me so badly that I will just be doing my ordinary life. I'll be working the garden. It'll be a beautiful day. I will be, um, I will be feeling full. And then this memory, this for, just for no reason will just come out of, of what I did and how I'm bad. And this enormous just shame of how could I do that? How with my whole platform being, you know, sustainable well-being and positive self-worth, like how could I do that? And it requires this deep, literally like putting my hand on my heart and just feeling it and reminding myself, oh, that's right. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> that was never my intention. This, and this is a betrayal that I know I caused, right? Who knows how many betrayals I'm not even aware that I've done to hurt other people. And I think, oh, crap, I was having such a good day. And now I have to feel this way. I think to myself, how long am I going to have to beat myself for this? Like, how long? How many years? How many reiterations? How many times have I written to myself to remind myself that I'm a good person and that this was an accident. And then I just, I, yeah, it's funny. I just sort of say, oh yeah, this is, this is that thing again. And I've asked, is it here to teach me something? 
is it here to remind me that, oh, things aren't that good, that you still really suck underneath it all? But I also, I think what it's done for me is really, really opened my eyes to to empathy. I don't know. I think it's made me feel more compassion and understanding around people in my life that have hurt me. It still hurts. It makes me want to forgive them more because I realize how easily it happened to me, totally under unintentionally. I, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that the feeling you have of being betrayed is very similar to the feeling I have of being the betrayer. I have betrayed others. And I, I deeply hurt somebody dear. And I what I hear you saying is those moments of like experiencing joy or maybe peace or calm. And then for me, it's the reminder of you're not that good. Don't you remember who you were? Don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember that they forgave you and they still believe in you? Did you really deserve that? Like, it's almost like there's this threshold to joy from these reminders of shame. There are folks who would say, oh, you know, always stay humble and kind. I don't know if it's my subliminal unconsciousness that's trying to keep me humble. Uh, But in this instance, too, I will tell you that this other person was a a miraculous human being who, who responded to my bid for forgiveness in the most gracious possible way. I mean, it was a year or more later that that we were able to really hash it out in a, in a loving way. And this person said that they did forgive me, that they knew it was a mistake. And so, so when I have those days where I'm like, okay, it's a beautiful sunny day, everything in my life is fine. I'm just going to haunt myself and taunt myself with this thing that I did that was really bad. Just, I'm just going to shame myself. I um I kind of now I just don't fight it anymore. I I kind of accept it. My word for this year for 2023 is acceptance. And so I just go, yeah, that happened. And I did everything I could to repair it. I think it will probably always haunt me and it just reminds me that this is what that feels like. And this is what it universally feels like. And that everyone on the planet no matter where they're living or how old they are, uh, know, knows what that feels like. And it's just pain. Like the, the emotional pain is universal. I'm not special. Why should I be exempt from it? I guess I don't take it so much like, well, now my day is ruined. Because there were many years, many, many years, decades, where I would be having a good time. And if I thought of something that made me feel bad, I would feel like that was where I was supposed to spend my day. So I could be at a musical, a Broadway play and think of something sad or bad and just feel like, well, I can't enjoy this now. Like I must go to that place as opposed to being able to hold both as true. Right. Like I have to pay, I have to pay for this. What I realize now in May is the reason for the call to be still, the reason for opening up to these emotions is because there are two things that I really want my life to be about. Pure love, like honest love, deep love, connecting love without attachment or expectation. And the other is to serve in a way that is impactful for the individual. And until I open up those spaces and shine light on them, and allow in grace and kindness and compassion and reminders that I am human too, 
then I'm not able to give that or see that for others. Yeah. I mean, that's so, so, so beautiful. And it's funny because I just thought of this incident. I've been talking about me being a betrayer, but I, but I did, I have something where someone betrayed me uh, about six years ago and I can talk about it openly now because, um, because I've processed it, but I was reminded uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I got this LinkedIn invite from someone I used to work with who deeply, deeply betrayed me. When I got this LinkedIn invite, I just thought, what is happening? Like, what is seriously happening? That this person thinks that we should now be friends on LinkedIn? And so it brought back all of this uh, stuff that happened six years ago, where I, a place of employment where I'd worked for many, many years. And I felt like this guy was I was constantly literally telling him that he was one of the most earnest people I'd ever met and that his parents must have raised him really in a special way because despite all of the the greed and uh, corporatization of the radiology practice I was working in, that this guy seemed to really stay grounded. And it was really impressive to me and I felt really safe with him. And then, and there were people in the group I didn't feel safe with, and I knew that right away, right? But this guy was somebody that amongst the, all the fray, I could pinpoint, oh, there's this, this thing I can hold on to here. And that he ended up betraying me by, by siding with and, and kind of being the most surreptitious of collecting and, and, and making up stories and just, just all sorts of things that... Um, that led to a confrontation that I had with him calling out what I knew to be true now. And it's a long story that I'll save for another time. I remember talking about this with a friend, like, I can't believe that this guy reached out to me to be friends with LinkedIn. And this person had didn't know the other guy, but, but knew peripherally from all the years that I suffered after that event. And I thought, what does this mean? Like, what is happening that that now he wants to be friends? I mean, is he seriously didn't realize, did he not think that this was an enormous betrayal? I just thought about it for days. Like, is he wanting me to forgive him? Does he want to let bygones be bygones? Did it not affect him? Did he think this is just politics and work? This isn't personal. Like, we're still good. I ultimately did not accept the invite for to protect my own psychological space. My friend said, well, maybe it was a random, uh, you know, one of these things that the LinkedIn algorithm just (laughs) thought they should connect you to again. What was interesting was I thought to myself, if this guy reached out to me personally with an email that said, hey, I don't know what happened six years ago. I don't know who I was. I don't know why I behaved the way I did. I don't know why I treated you that way. Like what's so interesting, and this is back to your point of love, is I would absolutely forgive him. And maybe I have forgiven him even without his apology. It's still protective of me to like not want to be buds with him. I had this coach friend who was trying to think of all the explanations to defend his behavior. I said, listen, I'm not ready to defend his behavior and treatment of me. It hurt me so badly. I'm not... I don't ever want to say it was justified or okay, but I do know that if he were to approach me and own it and say, I'd like to fix it, or I'm a different person now, or, or can we talk about what happened? 
I would absolutely do that. And that's back to this desire for deep connection and love and just common humanity. And it would mean so much to me that he still wanted a connection with me again, because I so deeply empathize with how easily it is to get caught up in something and not think about the impact you're making on another person. I know that now through my own lived experience that I would, I I would want more than anything, the connection and the repair and the love to be there more than needing to be right or just to stay bitter. I think we're going to need a part two of this conversation, maybe like in a month or two, honestly, based on the feedback that I receive or you receive, like, so that we can continue because there's so much to be said, right? We just, we basically took a scalpel and said, Hey, there's something underneath. And we started to explore it around. I I think for the first steps, what may be helpful for anyone listening is to give your experience some language and not minimize it. Start to call something betrayal if that's what it looks like, or see a bigger picture of what's happening and give it a name, give it some terms without personalizing it, that it's uh, without saying it's your fault or it's not your fault, it's somebody else's fault or it's not their fault. It, like, just give it some language. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. It makes such a difference. It makes such a difference to just call a spade a spade uh, and not pretend that it's something else or not minimize the impact it's having. And yeah, there's so much else that we can discuss about this because it's a very complex emotion that I think just doesn't get enough direct acknowledgement. We talk about anger. We talk about frustration, sadness. Um, we even talk about grief. And, and that's the thing is, I think there's a huge, I mean, within betrayal is, is grief, 100% that comes with with everything we're talking about, you know, and I think it gets confused because people think of grief as something that happens when there's actually been a death. But in what we're talking about, there's been a death of what was, there's an ending to what we knew to be true. And that requires significant time and processing and, um, and permission to feel it. Yeah. Huge. What has been helpful So once somebody opens up or recognizes and starts to give it language, what's next? Guide us. (laughs) Well, again, I'm figuring this out still in in my lived daily experience. I love, Dina, that you took, that you said that you've given yourself this stillness, you know, because a lot, like I said, we're often afraid to give the stillness and, and we can always make excuses, right? Like I can't be still, I have all these important things I'm supposed to be doing instead. People need me. People are depending on me who has time for stillness. And then when we do have time, I know for years when I would be still, I, I actually felt dizzy, um, physically unstable, the inertia principle was just guiding everything. And so I think it's going to be once you give language to it. Yeah. There's always these issues of, of self-worth that, that you talked about at the beginning and that we both hit on of how it's such a confrontation with our self-worth that we have to get back to those basic principles of having the courage to feel what we're feeling, having connection to other people in our lives as we process it you know, and really having deep compassion for ourselves uh, and for others. And those things ironically are just not at the surface of the way we operate. It's, it's like bringing it into consciousness and being really intentional about it. 
as opposed to it being sort of a side gig. <laughs> yeah. For me to put light into it, I have to invite others so that I'm not looking at one lens in the same way over and over again and reliving it, but I'm actually starting to open up to other perspectives and to shifting the story that I can still be good enough and I can still be worthy on either side if I have betrayed or if I have felt betrayal. I still can move through this, but it does require me to do the opposite of what is natural, which is to hide and isolate, to invite others in, and which invites in kindness and compassion. Well, and I would say today is a perfect example of that, of each of us coming together and just saying what's what's true and not, like, I didn't feel judgment from you when I was sharing how I betrayed this other person and just uh, being able to have people in our lives that we know will recognize (laughs) their own selves and our own stories and be able to be there with us without judgment and, and process it. Like, can you believe I'm still thinking about this? What can, what suggestions do you have? Or yeah, just dialogue around it. I think just the, the key operative word being reaching out, like putting, putting voice to it. And, and oftentimes, you know, I'm really into expressive writing and the the value of that. If it's not, if there's somebody that you don't, if it's something that you don't feel comfortable necessarily talking to another about at first, you know, I'm a huge advocate for really writing, talking to yourself about it and just writing without punctuation or grammar around everything that you're feeling. It's very, very therapeutic to just put it into language for yourself, uh, what it exactly what it feels like holding back nothing. It's not about sharing it. It's not about publishing it. It's not about getting it just right, but really being like owning it, I think, embodying it, going there to that place and being able to set a timer for 10 or 15 minutes and then and then walk away and you don't have to save it. You don't have to look back on it. You can burn it if you want, but it's just, yeah, it's like moving the energy. It sounds like it's giving yourself validation that it's real. Your experience is real and you don't have to alter it. And this is a place that you can just see it for whatever it is at that moment. I deeply respect you. I deeply trust you. I am so thankful that you're part of my life. What I'd love for people to hear is what who you help and how you help them and where they can find you. Well, I really struggle with this question. And of course, I I adore you, Dina. And I think, um, I mean, all people are my jam. It's actually really hard for me to say like who I help. I I put on my, you know, public things that I that I help physicians, teens, and LGBTQ plus trying to incorporate <laughs> as many humans as I can. Uh, like kind of giving the the overall mar- mantra, all are welcome. You know, these are the kind of things we talk about, right? It's just we. I, I, it's all about fostering positive self worth and sustainable well being because we're here. If we want to hear, be here for the long haul, we need some tools, and we need to know that we're not alone, and we need to like just talk about this stuff that that universally everyone struggles with. The universe, everyone struggles with self worth. We talked about Taylor Swift earlier. Taylor Swift struggles with self-worth. She's her whole, her whole latest album is all about dealing with her own self-loathing and her own 
you know, wanting revenge, falling in love, falling apart. It, and so not that we need to look to celebrity, but the fact is that none of us are exempt. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I love these human to human connections, just normalizing struggles that we have and building community around. Yeah. I, you know what? Me too. So yeah, I can be found on uh, my website, which is my name, Tracy with an E, Tracy O'Connell without the apostrophe, tracyoconnellmd.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and all the things and some YouTube. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend.